0: Welcome to the 361 Podcast Season 9, Episode 11. My name is Ben Smith from Wireless Worker. I'm Ray from the All About Sight. And I'm Ewan from Mobile Industry Review. Welcome back, gents, to our special bonus end-of-season episode. Come on. Woo-hoo. good to see you. Any exciting news? Uh, well, I'm, I'm full of energy. I'm very excited. You mean you're not? Well, I'm actually quite tired, really. You do look shattered. Why are you shattered?
1: Uh, well, this is because I spent most of last night updating election results into a, an Apple Passbook, something I uh, trying out a work thing. But actually, I think it worked quite well in using Passbook, pushing it beyond what it's really intended to. But it was a very easy way to create something in a single day and then deliver push notifications and updated
0: information to it. It And I believe you actually tried it out. It was dead good, actually.
2: I tried it. It pains me to say it, but it was dead good. It was way better than anything else, actually. You hadn't
0: built an app. It was sat there. It did all the notifications on my phone and everything. And then there was just a single thing showing me a graph of who was winning and who wasn't.
2: Yeah. Uh, they good? I just I, I liked the fact that I got the notifications and the, they were it was better. Yeah. It was like the, the moment the chappie said it on TV, it was like you were transcribing. Yeah, that's what came out on the app. Yeah. That's good. And, and it's interesting oh, from
1: a, just a development effort point of view. You're talking about a, a couple of days versus
0: you know potentially a couple of weeks or months. Oh, well, I think
2: that that very interesting.
0: Pastbook has been under innovated in. I think that was a very good idea. You, McLeod. anything exciting with you.
2: Uh, well, just I'm really pleased that finally dry cleaning and laundry. Is being mobilized. Oh, at
0: last, somebody addressing the big issues.
2: It is a big issue, I think. Right. Well, I just, you know, when you want your suits or your shirts or whatever dry cleaned or if you want a little laundry done.
0: Okay, and how is it being addressed?
2: Uh, well, via mobile apps. There's quite a few of them. The, the one that I've been seeing a lot and the one that I have downloaded, haven't used it yet, is called Laundrap. It's a launder wrap. I think that's how you say it. Um, and it's you're very similar to Uber in that, you know, it's the first bit free. Try it out. See what you think. Uber,
0: um. Uber for clean
2: stuff. Yeah, that's a very good word defining it. But I think it's really, really cool. I just haven't had the chance to use it yet. Is, well, it,
1: is it true that is going to p- pivot into this space? What? Is it a Tumblr dryer? <laughs>
0: <That's>, oh, jeez.
1: <laughs> it's a bit late at night for those kind of jokes that right, are very lovely. good.
0: Lovely. Yes, I, thanks I, very much. I apologise. That
2: was very slow on the uptake. <laughs> Please um, <be> but <laughs> I, see,
0: I see your Uber for clean stuff, and I raise you Uber for Teslas. Ooh, so in, in London, uh, an app called Glide, G-L-I-I-D-E, oh. has launched. I know, yeah. I know. But they're they're in private beta at the moment, and uh, it looks exactly like an Uber experience. You know, you get a map and you go from A to B. But yeah. when you call it, a Tesla arrives, which is really cool, and I'm dead excited to try it. I tried it today, and unfortunately, supply it means you've got about a twenty minute wait. Which meant I didn't have time to take it today.
2: Or the guy had it plugged in charging. <laughs> perhaps it, perhaps
0: it <laughs> needed a recharge. I think that could be an issue. But they've got a fleet of them. It's not just one car. There's a bunch
2: of them, so which would be really cool. And, and it, do you want do you pay more for this, or is it similar cost?
0: It's a little bit more expensive than the basic Uber, but it looks equivalent to Addison Lee and some of the other services that you know have reasonable standard cars in them. But how cool it would be though to 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 be able to call cars that you would be interested in in seeing or wouldn't normally get to ride in. You know, you imagine. I, that I, I buy
2: that, not some not really that interested in a Tesla myself. You oh, know, it's amazing. Yeah, maybe to own one, yes, but I just don't really want to have a ride. Right, right, I'm quite. I, well, get I, me I, to a to B, please. I just you. like to see one. Why, why,
0: why, why couldn't journeys, which are boring, be made interesting?
2: Just because it's electric. Fair enough. A bit better than the Prius. God, you're a philistine, honestly.
0: Okay, uh, so, uh, Rafe Blanford, special episode this week. It is, yes, you can ask
1: us anything. Well, in fact, you've already asked yeah, us anything. Yeah, you could ask
2: us anything. Um,
0: you, you've missed the boat by now,
1: but we are going to go through a whole bunch of questions and answers. I think it's fair to say some of them are, are more
0: serious than others.
2: Yeah, we've we've had to cut out the underpants questions. There we go. Well, a lot of people want to know what Blanford's wearing. There we go. And uh, a, a, a natural pri- question,
0: a prime opportunity. Yeah, we're not going to address that because he's completely naked this week. And
2: I, I just wish he <laughs> wouldn't do that. Wish he wouldn't
0: do that. And uh, a great opportunity to try out our new voicemail service. You can go to 361podcast.com. Right. If you That's click right. contact, there's a whole bunch of things, places you can call us now. You can reach us on a UK number, a US number, or, or via Skype. And you can leave us a message, and you can do that anytime uh, for feedback, comments, questions. Which I'm hoping that uh, people will enjoy using that.
1: And can we just pause for a moment to... Uh, admire the dedication that ben went to to get to uh, a number somewhere in texas i understand that has 361 as an area code there we go we
0: are yes we i wondered are. about that yeah we were in the one 361 the 361 uh, area code that's really right? cool there we go all right in, i just thought why didn't you get Sorry, why didn't you
2: get a 212 is what i was wondering well it's because the 316 was available 361 yeah. even uh, 361 very impressive but you need to be clear we're not going to answer it. As um, in, sorry, we're not going to answer the phone, right? Because I, I wonder that some people might have been worried that if they call it, they're going to get a weird experience. If you call the number or you ring the the Skype voicemail, you will hear Ben doing the following. Go on, Ben. Uh, hello. No, no, it's, it's, it's actually, he's very, it's worth calling just to hear his radio voice because basically <laughs> he's done as high. high you yeah. have reached. And it's just, it's exactly the same as if you're trying to vote you know, for X Factor or something. You know, when you get through it,
0: Hi, I, I thought we agreed. This is Ben to... Smith
2: from Three Six One. Yes. If you'd like to insult Rafe,
0: press one now. <laughs> Your call is important to us. <laughs> I, I thought
1: we agreed never to talk about Ben's
0: sordid past. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> let's move on because we've got a bunch of questions to get through and very little time. And uh, well, we're going to kick off with uh, with a question actually that came in from voicemail from Ian Wallace.
2: Uh, I thought I'd give you an excuse for some rampant speculation. So, to each of you, tell me a tale of a future that didn't happen. Imagine if Apple wasn't so dominant in the phone space. What does the mobile landscape look like then? Right, I think that's a wicked, wicked question for me. And I would come in straight in by saying, Can you remember the time when Nokia was dominant? Right? <laughs> no. Yes, you can. Right, okay. Now, <sighs> right, why? Was that you? Was that you? I wasn't looking. Was that Blanford doing <laughs> a big sign? Was Blanford having a moment. <laughs> oh, geez. Right, um, because if you remember the, the uh, N95, the 86, and so on, these were getting some really cool handsets. The apps were beginning to, to come out. Um, and Nokia were, it was internally very, very confused. And all the conversations I had with the executives, I remember doing these interviews with you you guys, yeah. actually. That's probably um, why they went down, was like, they listened to us. <laughs> no, they didn't listen. They didn't <laughs> listen. That's okay. And I wondered if they had listened to the external and the internal, because these execs were you know, saying, oh, we need to do this, we need to do this. I wonder what the world would look like right now. Um, because Symbian, for all its... Criticisms and I don't know really why we criticize it, although it was a bit crappy. And there's nothing wrong with Symbian, I didn't think, beyond the fact it just wasn't innovated and didn't increment fast enough. Do you think
0: it could do you think they could have built modern smartphone platform on a platform that was already six
2: or seven what, years okay, old? Was, do you not yeah, remember no, the Ray Frankford
0: rule of six years? Well this is true.
2: This is true. But I, I'm thinking about an enhanced Symbian ecosystem that, that then swapped over to the next thing. I mean, you remember the N ninety? Um uh, what was that using camera? the the N9
1: Migo and, and Memo and yeah it's no, oh, kind of not, the Linux based stuff I mean yeah, the thing it, yeah. about all of that was Nokia never lacked for vision it was yes. just about the execution and actually there's uh, for me I want to paint a picture of a world where a British company is the most valuable company in the world where it's completely dominant in the digital space and this is a British company called Cyan actually was obviously the precursor to, to Symbian, and Symbian came out of that, and that's one of the things that tells you it had a lot of potential. But it did uh, uh, projects. One of Odin was a joint partnership, th- in theory, with Motorola. was going to be one of the w- world's first smartphones. There was also the Hilden system. If people look that up as a UI, that was actually a touch-based UI, much like has you know, come to dominate today, and they were thinking about that before even the first
0: Symbian phone came out. But, but Rafe, th- those, those things existed... But what about Ian's point around what if if Apple hadn't happened, could they have been the dominant platform?
1: Yes, I, I think they could have been. Again, this is a question of having the vision but not the execution. And if you think about Sun, they had Wayfinder, which was a dab radio, kind of the Illumi of um, of uh, Sun Also, did Visto, which was the first push email. They also went on to do TomTom, Tom, the GPS navigation. Oh, yeah. So if you think about all of those things, if they'd actually happened in a single company, and as Ian says, you know, it had had the right mentality we could live in a a world where sign was the world's biggest consumer electronics company and so it was all conquering in terms of the personal device and it, i think it would still be the smartphone don't get me wrong that doesn't change and actually i think even if apple had tried to get into that space sign would have been established beforehand yeah um that, so you know that's my future that didn't happen
0: okay let let me let me paint you an unhappy world where the canadians have taken over okay and Ooh. blackberry's model was successful so blackberry BlackBerry stuck it they're out. still here. They, well, but they, cons- they, they stayed in consumer mobile successfully. But you know,
2: there was a time when they were going to, you know, yeah, they, they, they could they really were, have been Im- like number two. Im-
0: imagine if that had become the model for all smartphone systems where oh. a server installed in your mobile network operator was where all the intelligence was. You know, what, it moved from being just push email to being the backbone for all of your apps. And then you paid a subscription for all the various services and apps to your mobile network operator and the operator that you signed up for did. Determined which apps and services you could get, and so it wasn't eco. It wasn't hardware ecosystem lock-in like we have now, because you don't want to lose your Apple apps. It was network operator lock-in. Yeah, that's, lock-in. that's, that's pretty in. scary prospect. Is, because effectively, BlackBerry. Most of the smarts of BlackBerry, I mean, apart from some, I was very fond of my bold device, many of the smarts were actually in the mobile network themselves, weren't they? By virtue of the servers and the push email infrastructure (laughs) and that kind of stuff. And initially that was done because it was born out of a pager system and and all that kind of, you know. Resource constraint. Resource constraint, absolutely. But imagine if that then became the model for deploying all services and you were locked into your network. A question in from Twitter uh, from Keith Bartlett. Uh, Rafe, just one quick one for you here. Uh, Windows 10 Continuum, do you think the extra hardware will be needed for phones to get this feature?
1: Uh, interesting question. This uh, Yes, it is going to require extra hardware. Microsoft has already said that, as the question implies. What will it be? It's to be able to power two different displays at the same time, so it's going to need a bit of extra graphical for oomph and a bit of uh, processor oomph. What Stop this-
0: baffling me with this technical date jargon.
1: Well, what this does is you can take a Bluetooth keyboard and a mouse and then display your phone's screen on the bigger screen. But what it'll also do is upscale the applications. So in the case of the Office apps, you'll have the mobile versions running on your phone. You plug it in and put it on a big screen. You'll have effectively the big desktop versions of the application. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And this is enabled by the fact that Windows 10 has these universal apps, a single binary across mobile, tablet and, and desktop Really interesting idea. We've seen Motorola with the Tricks do something similar in the past. We've all always kind of liked the idea, but it's never really taken off. But I think this, this has a bit of potential.
2: Okay, right. Let's move on. Um, I've got a question in, uh, no, it's a written one. Uh, in from jason snowden and he says uh, loving this show as ever blah 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 he actually said thanks jason yeah 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 thanks for saying that um a recent scientific american article prompted me to ask a question for your end of show season show thing um you've talked about possible new technology and mobile flexible materials and so on but what's the chance that the innovation really has come to an end so, for example, you know, Google Glass, smartwatches, Internet of Things could all be taken as an indication that innovation has, ex- has ended, or at least has slowed down. Ralph Blanford?
1: Yeah, I think this is an interesting point if you look at the kind of narrow focus of just the hardware, and there's definitely an argument there that things have plateaued. We're seeing massive amounts of commoditization in the smartphone space, you know, more mid-tier, low-end devices. Just to take one element, the camera, for example we aren't seeing a great deal of hardware innovation. But what we are seeing is it moving into the software, and this has been going on for a while. The value has moved up the stack from hardware into software, and that's reflected in the innovation. And so you look at things like computational photography, the amount of algorithms that go into yes. making a, ca- a good camera come out, there's still a lot of innovation there. And I think that won't change. It's just, you know, if you see innovation is change in disguise, I absolutely think it's going to
0: continue. So it, it's not dead for me. Jason, I would say, for my part, go back if you haven't and have listened to uh, the last episode we did on magic materials because I didn't understand a lot of what Ralph Lamford was saying in that episode. That as normal, as normal. But we talked about things like graphene and those sorts of things, which I think some you you, you mentioned perhaps that the, in, in your you, in the uh, question you sent in, you, you mentioned perhaps could it be the end of Moore's law and things like that. And certainly did some reading around it this week, and the the verdict from from some other people, contrary to the uh, the article that you quoted, said no because m- materials like graphene and things allow allow completely two D uh, transistors and things to be built. Uh, there's still plenty of space for Moore's law to continue for a good many years hence, but uh, it's going to be driven by that material science. So it's certainly not cut and dried on that front either.
2: Yeah, Jason, I reckon it's about imagination, uh, imagination there, and then availability of funds, because you know it, the more that you see. Um, hardware and software being open and the ideas being able to flow, then all of a sudden I've got halo. You know, yeah, so it's you know, it's it,
1: about the experience, not the technology. And innovation is strongest when it's actually around the customer and what they want to do rather than just being innovation for, you know, change or the sake of tech. Yeah. Yeah. And on to our third question, this is from Judy Elderson. Uh, this is a great question. Will Apple ever make a budget handset uh, Bearing in mind that the tablet's about three hundred pounds.
2: Oh well, okay. Theoretically, theoretically, they already have uh, a budget handset at three hundred dollars, and that's the second-hand market. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, I know. I, I, I take her point though. I do like her point, but I wonder, you yeah. know, wh- why do they need to? Well, if I if I answer her question Sorry. straight up, like, will they ever
0: make a three hundred dollar handset that sells new for three hundred? Which I yes, think is yes, what, what, the, sure. what she yes. means is no, no, they won't because they don't need to because Apple is great at creaming off the top end of the market and people who buy $300 handsets for the most part aren't the people who spend loads of money on services and accessories and add-ons yes. and those sorts of yes. things. And I think Apple have way, way, way more to go in that high end of the market with watches and and, and high-end hardware before they get down to the $300 mark because the risk versus the reward at that level just isn't worth it. Yep. And they can actually leave that to, to the mid-tier players, including the non- and the Motorola's that we've talked about before. Uh,
1: it's margin preservation. We already know that they control the majority of the profits in the handset market. And so uh, and certainly in the short term, there's no need for that to change.
2: But if they get worried, it, you, you'll know Apple is stressed in the mobile phone market when all of a sudden $99 handsets mm-hmm. arrive.
0: OK, Rafe Blanford, one just for you, this one. Andy Large 2M on the Twitters says, uh, do, do you not guys know of any way to use Skype IM on an Android phone without it being such a resource hog? no combination of Microsoft and Android resource hog It just doesn't work very well. Sorry. Yeah. Get Windows
2: phone says, Ralph, Exactly first. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, we've another one that's coming via the voicemail, uh, from one of our U S listeners, uh, from Brian Katz. So, uh, well, over to Brian, which of all the devices that you've owned in the past, and you probably have high drawer, which one would you rescue from a fire? That's for all three of you. My second question is originally for Roth, but it could probably apply to all three of you. What's the weirdest thing you've ever actually done with a device? For example,
2: for me, I took my BlackBerry Playbook and turned it into a coast. What's the weirdest thing you've ever done with a device? Have fun, guys. Looking forward to hearing it.
0: So- thanks, Brian, and thanks for calling in from the States on our special U.S. voicemail number, because we love you guys in the
2: States. Plus uh, 361. Love yeah, that.
0: Exactly. Uh, okay, so two great questions there from Brian. Um, which device would you rescue from the fire, and what's the weirdest thing you've ever done with a device?
2: Um, ooh, devices you rescue from the fire? Uh, mine would be the Sony CMD Z10. Google it. It's the uh, it's like a pre 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 smartphone. One of the first smartphones to ever have an Internet
0: Explorer browser on it. Uh, mine the would, WAP one, do you remember it? I do, I do. Yeah, it was. It had the little pull down microphone. Yeah, you just kind on. of
2: flip the little yeah. thing and went hello.
0: Yeah. For me, it would be the original BlackBerry Bold. In 2008. So, if I could have like a time machine and go back in time and, yeah. and rescue the phone at that precise time, the BlackBerry Bold, the original one, running the Gmail client. Oh, original the G- Gmail with, with client. X,
2: exactly. X command. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or the A. Yeah, E, E, sorry, E for archive. That's the
0: one I would rescue. Maybe a a close, place, a close second with that. Close
2: for the E seventy one
0: or the E sixty three. But yeah. I think the, the the Blackberry is the one that I fell in love with first because of that that beautiful keyboard. So I'd yes. save that one.
1: Uh, Ralph Blanford. Well, sadly, I'm dead because I would run to my device drawer and just have uh, this, this sense of you'd, you'd not being them. able to choose. Like, ask me to choose what my my favourite child is if I had children.
0: Fair enough. Confusing for you because of none. Yep. Okay, uh, Rafe Blanford, you get to go next on the next one from Brian. Weirdest thing you've ever done with a handset that hasn't phone-related,
2: that you can say publicly?
0: <laughs> Thank you for that, you I think this is probably um,
1: tying one of the old Symbian phones to a dog, to track the dog and have it take photographs every uh, 30 seconds. So I kind of thought of Fitbar before there was such a thing as
0: dog and pet wearables. I didn't. I have to say, I didn't know there was dog and pet wearables now. So I'm really missing yeah. out. <laughs> I used uh, I used a Symbian smartphone as a, a security camera. So somebody was vandalising cars in our in our un, in our apartment underground car park. So I plugged it into the cigarette charger in my car and left it just taking timed photos. And I think they were uploading via shozu or something like that to online. And did you catch them?
2: No, <laughs> didn't that nail your battery?
0: It did. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't work very well, didn't last very long, but I did try it for many, many days. kept going back down, trying to get that camera angle right, trying to <laughs> make sure that the software was working. Because, of course, because it was in a basement car yeah. park, there was only a bit of a dodgy signal, so it took a long time to upload. But, uh, yep, yeah, that was that was probably my... My one, although actually Brian uh, Brian mentioned um, uh, separately uh, using using a Blackberry Playbook as a coaster, and actually I've done that too. So I uh, make, make good bookends as well. Yeah, maybe there's something about the Blackberry Playbook that makes you want to use it to put coffee
2: mugs on. I don't know. See, I, I Brian, I have a very difficult challenge answering this. I don't know if I've done anything that weird because what 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 I've done is used the handsets for use cases that are standard now. But the that were really out there. because oh, you're so you live in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really okay. Really? No, I'm just saying. I haven't done anything weird with them, though, right? Because yeah, I was taking selfies. I was using, using the phone to find find stuff to navigate. You know, I, I was I was doing so much with the phone, but I was pushing the phone to its limit, but not actually doing something weird with it. You know I, th- I think Blanford wins for tying it to his dog. Yeah, I exactly. think that's amazing.
0: You know, I just think that was part of Bla- Bla- uh, Blanford's marketing campaign that everybody, no, really, everybody should have a Symbian handset. <laughs>
2: woof fantastic. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> okay. Right, what's next?
0: Michael Warner has tweeted in another question specifically for Rafe. I think the hashtag Ask Rafe Blanford was, uh, was hugely successful here. Thank you, Ra- Ewan. Rafe right. discovered anything interesting in the ground recently, in the Blanford estate specifically. He appears to be asking about concrete blocks. Well, the, the Blanford Estate, which doesn't actually exist... You therefore, keep saying that. Therefore, we can't find anything in the ground. But we have seen pictures of you in, in the countryside. Yes. And you look, so like, you look like you own it, it when it, you're there. It
1: is true that there is a concrete block that used to used to house the aviary. So, um,
0: See? Yeah. That, right, that it was, walks straight into it. Does your house have an aviary? <laughs> no, actually, it doesn't. Do you know and what? Didn't? We took our aviary down last year did and put you? up... No, we didn't because we didn't have one mm. because no one has an aviary. An aviary? Well,
1: that was for the owls.
0: Right. Anyway, yeah. a far more interesting Spot bit of Harry concrete
1: um, was in, on holiday recently in Suffolk. Go and visit Orford Ness uh, and you can see sort of the remains of a kind of... Uh, it was actually uh, for testing bombs, but also mm. the Atomic Weapons Research Establishment where they were testing vibrations of atomic bombs. And there's lots of bits of concrete on a, a big big beach, sort of um, pebble beach. And it's kind of quite eerie. So if you, that's my top tip for concrete spotting. ha! <laughs>
0: Uh, okay, time for another voicemail uh, question that's come in now from uh, Illy.
2: Hi, Ben. This is Illico from Digitas LBI. The question I have is Are we really going to be locked into a yearly update cycle on phones? Is that too much? Is that too few phones coming out every year? And do you see the market and the handset manufacturers expanding or contracting? Uh, okay, very interesting. Like I, I think it's really all about fashion at the moment. Um, now I, you're asking to speculate for over a few years. I could imagine it it changing uh, for the worse, uh, depending on your, your view. In that if you see what Sony Ericsson or now Sony has been doing with their uh, their flagship handsets, you know it's almost every. Well, correct me here, Ray, every four or five months. Every six months. Certainly. Yeah, six months. It, feel, it feels less than that. Uh, you know, It you, didn't really work for Sony, did it, given they're basically pulling out? It, well, that's a question. That's a question. But I think we are very much wedded to the fact that you know, you know, the, the iPhone is out every year. And I think it would be very interesting to see if they ever change that. Because uh, if they do change, I think everyone else will start panicking. But, but my view is it's fashion-related.
1: High-end fashion cycles. But there is a caveat on that. It, it, it's high-end. Yes. I do think increasingly we'll, we will see the product life cycle increase for the mid-tier devices in particular. low end, I expect to still be pretty cyclical.
2: And do you mean the product life cycle or do you mean the consumer not refreshing? Well I,
1: actually a bit of both yeah um, because more of it will happen in software, but I think particularly consumers not refreshing. That already happens. I just expect the part of the market that that covers to expand. There are a lot of people out there with you know five, ten year old phones. I don't think it'll get quite that extreme, but it won't be unusual to keep your phone for you know three or four years. It's actually more probably about durability because I think the reason most people, a lot of people, upgrade is because their phone is suddenly the battery, bit,
0: you know, battery's bad, it's yeah. got scratched, whatever. Yes, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a that's a fairly overwhelming yes. Then, uh, Rafe, do you really think that people can manufacturers can make devices that are going to last three, four, five years anymore?
2: It, it's a unique challenge because
1: actually. Very tough to do. But it's
2: a fashion thing, Blanford. You've got to have a new, newish phone.
1: It, it is, but there are ways to get around that by sort of putting new skins or shells on them. And I, I think phones have become a lot more robust than they were even, you know, five, five years ago. These kind of um, unibody phones have the capability to last a lot longer. And what may happen is people, you know, do drop them and break them. But you know, the, the replacement cycle—I I just have to hope it will happen because it's so wasteful otherwise.
2: Okay. Next question is from uh, Odo. He uh, e- emails and saying, well, "What do you understand about what open source is generally? Uh, so, for example, you know, server, cloud, desktop, Raspberry Pi, and so on. Um, and what importance do you think it has in the mobile technology space, present and future?" So there we go. Let me give you my view with open source. Um, I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. You don't you don't like open source because
0: nobody makes any money, do you?
2: Well, it's it's, <laughs> it's about the, the licensing is very important because actually there's a lot of people that say, "Oh, it's open source." But the license restrictions prevent you from doing anything with it. You know, right? right? Um, I don't like the fact that people aren't making money from things because I often will want to use an open a piece of open, open source software, but I want a service level with it. Yeah, you know, I want to be able to phone someone and say, "Well, can you make this change?" And of course, that's not really the idea of open source. Um, so typically as a business guy I've been creating software that includes open source elements and I actually don't—I haven't wanted to because I, I want to be able to go and get things changed or upgraded and, and and buy it as a service rather than just having it sat there free to everybody but then therefore not necessarily being brilliant quality
0: Do you think consumers care whether stuff's open source or not? Oh, I don't
2: think anyone really cares at all now. You remember the Ubuntu phone that we were all involved in the launch of? Yeah I do remember that and I, I, st- I still like the concept of it Um, you know, how open source is that?
1: I mean, it is such a vanishingly small segment that's going to be interested. Uh, I still think, though, it's really important. I mean, you're right, the commercial model for most companies isn't very open to open source, but, you know, certain ones have proved it absolutely works. And, you you know, a lot of Android is open source. Or look at the browser, WebKit, that's almost all dominant. So what it tells me is actually for those commoditized parts where, you know, it's kind of the enablers, the lower parts of the platform... Yes. Uh, And particularly, you know, you think about upstream components and all that part of open source, which isn't very obvious to the consumer or indeed sometimes to people putting these things together. It's very powerful because it does create a very, very powerful engineering model and a way of creating these assets that are important right across an ecosystem or right across an industry. Yes, yes. And otherwise, getting companies to cooperate to create those kind of uh, software systems or those kind of standards can be very difficult. Well, I quite so, like when you
2: see... I, I, I regard it as vital. Isn't it good when you see companies open sourcing stuff but actually supporting it as well? I quite like it when when it's a, a, hi, a bit of a hybrid model in that still, look, it is open source, but we are going to upgrade it and there is a roadmap and this is what we're planning on and doing. There's what, loads what, of
1: room for improvement. Amdocs yeah. have just done with The Matrix, which is kind of a replacement for XMPP, kind of federations of messaging and over-the-top systems. Really interesting. They've actually created a non-profit but I've guaranteed that they're going to support it. I think that's see, another That I like. Is, is I like very, that a you know, lot Very more. clever, and I think... I'd like to think we'll see more of that. But there are so many open source projects that are struggling. I mean, NTP is a good example of this, basically maintained by just a couple of people. Open SSL. Another when, good example. After
0: after the, he was at the heart bleed vulnerability. Right, you know, this is another know, problem. Started yeah. to read a lot of coverage. So even if you're not interested in security, um, it was alarming that there was just a handful of maybe two or three guys maintaining this project, which, you know, I mean, so many things rely on OpenSSL. And and this is what, is what, what, what bothers me, right? Because
2: I like, say, okay, I want it changed today. I want it up, fixed or patched today. And he's on holiday. But well, the, yeah. Sorry.
1: You have to say it's that. that's kind of one of the bad things about open source is its visibility but actually it the way, it's, it's created asset because these things happen inside companies as well with closed software you just don't see it and so in one sense I'd rather have it out in the open and be visible because then there is this kind of momentum this impetus to try and fix things
0: otherwise a you get point. kind of
1: the Microsoft model where bugs can exist for years at a time
0: quick one from Joseph Fallon um, he's interested to know if your home broad- broadband situation has improved Rafe Manford uh, no it hasn't ok what was wrong with it it's slow Fair enough. Now, my top tip <laughs> my top tip would be, if you haven't checked it out, Speedify. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bonded network VPN. So what that means is it lets you use several connections simultaneously over a VPN and bonds them back together, again, in a server in the sky. And what I do is, because I've got good downloads and terrible uploads on my broadband, but I've got quite good 3G upload speed, bond them together, and I get the speed of my broadband down and the speed of my 3G up. Well, oh, there you go. It
1: clearly doesn't live in the proper countryside because you have to have a 2G signal for that. Um, and it's slow on broadband for me. We are officially getting fibre to the cabinet in about two years' time. And which is fibre
2: to the estate. TTE. Oh yes.
1: <laughs> oh dear. Walked into, walk
0: into that one. Okay, on to our final question now. Um, I think uh, Terence Eden's left us a voicemail. Oh hi,
2: three six one podcast. Terence Eden here.
0: Um, I was just wondering, what's the strangest place you've ever made a phone call from? <laughs>
2: Chat you guys soon. Bye. Yeah, well, <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, I see what Terrence. you've done there.
1: <laughs> well, like Terence, I have quite frequently made phone calls next to a waterfall or a, a fountain. <laughs> um, but I wouldn't say that's particularly weird. Um, I don't think Terence is suggesting anything else, is he? No, absolutely no.
2: not. You, uh, Ian I I have just made phone calls from exotic places.
0: Right. I remember um, you you didn't just you didn't just take a phone into an odd place, you took a whole mobile network into an odd place. That's
2: right. So I took a mobile network to the Maldives on your honeymoon. Um this is this is true, right? how, how much of that mobile network actually made it through customs? None zero. zero, zero. zero. <laughs> yeah, they just they basically they took one look at this big box that I arrived in off the plane with <laughs> with my new wife sitting over there going, "Oh, for God's sake, doing?" because <laughs> they, so ab- they opened the box and there's all these wires coming out of it, it looked something like, looked very dodgy. Bondi, yeah. and, and just out of interest,
0: how much of your honeymoon did you spend sitting in a customs hall arguing with a man about whether or not you'd broken some
2: in? Only calls? a few hours. I did have to write to the Prime Minister of um, <laughs> the Maldives. Uh, of the Maldives, it's, it's all on the blog, actually. All that. Yeah, on uh, but I, I have done a, a, a sat a satellite uh, phone call from the Maldives. That's that's probably the the weirdest thing I've done.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to think. I.
1: Favorite location to do mobile phone calls is in old phone boxes. They're really
0: useful to get out. They're, up they're, they're quite great. They're quite good. I see. I don't really use my phone for phone calls. So I've done all the old things about. I've done skiing. I, I've I used took pictures of newborn child. Like you know, five minutes after he was born, he was being you know sort of i messaged and WhatsApped around the planet to friends and family and all this kind of stuff. So there maybe the delivery theater in a in a. In a in, in a hospital.
2: Have you got a domain name yet? By the way, no, not yeah.
0: yet. Um, Rife Blanford. Apart from tying apart from tying phones, to dogs have, have. you used any phone any, anywhere really weird? Uh,
2: you must uh, have done. I think that I can't. You must have been. On the, on what about that sauna thing?
1: Well, yeah, that was one of the more awkward briefing sessions yeah. where, with, with Nokia, with basically. Being finished, of course we were all naked in the sauna discussing the
2: engage. Twice, twice li- listen- <laughs> listeners thought we were joking about him being naked.
1: <laughs> no, no, this was uh, this was around engage gaming, which was Nokia's kind of uh, whole gaming platform, and. Being in in a sauna with two Finnish executives being shown the latest Engage title—is that what they called it? Yes, um, but it wasn't actually. A, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a phone call. <laughs> but um, it was. It was, um, it was something I don't think I've ever forgotten. I have. But, you know, so it, it served its purpose as a, as a press briefing in that sense. Did well, you
2: actually get your kit off? What, just asking. Yes, it's. This is the way that all about the symbian goes. We will go this far. God, <laughs> <And> from... <laughs> what was the matter? <laughs> but did you actually, I mean, how many people were in this sauna? And was it one of those ones outside you know, near a, um, a water thing, a plunge um, pool? I
1: have to admit, quite a lot of the details have been wiped from my memory, thankfully. Mm.
2: So I they actually was, said, let's come was, to this hotel. There's
1: three people, but I mean, in, in, in Scandinavia, that's not a, an odd thing to get into if a complete nude.
2: Okay. And with Did that, you take a pad with you?
0: Just...
1: I, I, I should point out I took my glasses off. I was so, quite grateful so, for So, it. so you,
0: you, were, you, were, you were told about a phone that you couldn't see in a steamy room with a naked man.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so I have a question for both of you, and this is a bonus question. Um, what is your defining memory... Of each of us. So Blanford, what's your defining memory of me? And uh, what's your defining memory of Smith? Yes, I can't. And then I'll go first because I, I've been thinking. You right? the, okay, go on. So my defining memory of Blanford uh, is in two parts. It's actually somewhere at one of those MWC events. Um, and he some some people came up to us or him really um, uh, the, the, a whole gaggle of women and uh, demanded that their photo be taken and I remember thinking, Jesus, this guy he's a big shot he's <laughs> wicked, he's wicked, they want their photo taken and I, I think I asked, shall I take your photo yes please, yes please I'm um, going
1: to kill you right?
2: <laughs> second part, at the big, big, big Nokia press event, when they announced they were going to Windows, were you there? I don't know if yeah, you I, were there I, I... You must have been at um, the back. You um, in the back. I was at the back. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because I I happened to arrive in and Blanford was was there, and I I kind of went in this, on his court because basically seat one A basically right at the front right right there A was Blanford, and then seat one B was Tim. <laughs> from, from the, the FT, Blanford <laughs> so got better priority in the FT Did at d- that event. And if I remember correctly, Rafe, at that event, you got to ask the first, the opening question. That's right, that's right. You, got, one, you got the first question. It's like, to, it's like on all these movies when they the presents. I'll come to you. I'll yeah. come to you when the president's finished speaking. Uh,
1: I didn't. Stephen Elop laughed when I announced where
0: I was from.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to announce. I'm here to announce. We're moving to Windows and Microsoft.
0: Hello, and who are you? I Rafe from All About <laughs> Symbian. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, being
1: laughed at by Stephen Elop and uh, Steve Ballman was one of my most treasured memories. But uh,
0: Who had the last laugh though, Rafe? Well, exactly. who, who knows where Stephen Elop is now, eh? Exactly, whatever happened to him. Whatever happened to him. He's working for Microsoft. Yeah, all right, don't actually answer that question. It doesn't stack up well. Go on, yeah. Rafe, I well, think it's ter- time for you exactly. to go on. Can, well. can
1: I turn the tables? Unfortunately not because I'm a gentleman. And I, I wouldn't <laughs> drop you in it in quite the same way that that you have. But one of my defining memories is it, one of the very first times I met you and uh, it was at a uh, Nokia World conference and uh, came and sat down next to me and we sort of communicated and it was great to meet a friendly face because in those days there weren't actually a lot of bloggers or media who were of the online persuasion around and it came to question answering Yulma Ollier the, who was then CEO of Nokia is asking for questions and and goes so what's your current phone that you're using now and uh, everyone else turned around and looked at him you could just see everyone thinking Contempt. It, it was, and I thought, <laughs> what a fantastic question. And I think that was the beginning of a, a long and very uh, beautiful and productive uh, friendship.
2: Right, okay, I, I have a few final memories of you, Ben, and that, um, <laughs> this, this doesn't bode well. <laughs> I don't think, Blanford, I don't know if you were here, or you were there, and that is we went to interview a Sony exec. Um, and most of these guys, again, media trained, and they are accustomed to getting the the nonsense uh, questions, the the ones that everyone's prepared for. And there is a briefing pack created for each, you know, each publication and it says, oh yeah, blah, 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 this this is what they probably want to talk about. And they didn't obviously know much about mobile industry review because Ben had come along, uh, representing mobile industry review, I think, because we, we We were we, doing we were doing the videos at that point, That's we? right. No, it was, it was a mobile industry review TV, yeah, right. So yeah. uh, someone had invited us along to this this um no, it you was need to help me cuz i can't remember what you said but you offended well, it was a pull, it, it was a
0: poorly guy. lit event in the basement of a nightclub with no mobile reception. Yes. And you could you could only just see the devices if you held them up and, you know, occasionally like the disco lights would flash across the room and you'd be able to catch a glimpse of this thing. Yes. So it was <laughs> a poorly organised event. And to be fair to this gentleman, I think he'd probably had maybe a relaxing drink before right. starting yes. doing yes, something yes, I to interviews. And there was one specific <laughs> thing. You just took him to town. There was, well, there was one specific thing. <laughs> He, there was one specific thing he no, we, said we the,
2: uh, the PR standing next to him their eyes were bulging <laughs> the thing is I wish I could remember what it was we
0: weren't allowed to ask him but it was something about what was coming next or phones in the future mm-hmm. or something like that and it was a really easy thing to topic to avoid because there's a brand new mm-hmm. phone why did we need to ask about you know something we can't talk about yeah, yeah. but every question I asked he thought oh, you must be asking, you know, they were fixated on, you can't ask, ask this question. Yeah. And in the end, he, he ended up putting his hand over the camera lens and, no, 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 and it stormed out of <laughs> the room. And like, I think I was basically saying, hello. <laughs> yeah.
1: which, which, if you know Ben in person, is Ben's the least likely person to upset
0: a, I, an
1: interview person. It, was, and it uh, was
0: weird. It was really, really weird. But a, an interesting experience. Actually, that reminds me, I remember going into events and you and saying to people, we collectively have got over a million readers. And what he meant was Brave Scott, <laughs> yeah, million <exactly>. readers. <laughs> and, and
2: we're here too. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the reality. <Yeah>
0: okay let's call this let's call this to a close that so was excellent thank you
2: really good questions
0: thank you very much to everyone who, who wrote in and called in the questions Sam apologies we weren't able to use your voicemail uh, the audio cut out in the middle of it but we're gutted but we'll try and uh, get you to do it again in the future thank you everyone who who contributed and much appreciated lots of love yep definitely uh, really enjoyed particularly getting your voicemails uh, so we'll, we'll be doing this again in future and uh, uh, we might even include a few voicemails in regular episodes so this is the end
2: no. of season nine was it? that was the end of season nine we will so be season back 10 is coming soon. from the Bahamas
0: well season 10 is coming soon and and as as ever we're going to try and do you know try and change things up just a little bit the, the Bahamas thing is news to me uh, was well certainly I hadn't brought it up yet fund, funding may be an issue but we're always looking for ways to improve the uh, improve the podcast and uh, we've got some exciting plans so um, keep listening we won't be away for long we'll be back in a couple of weeks thank you very much for your support in season nine we've had loads of great feedback and comments and you Rock. there are now about 15,000 of you listening to this every month Come on. which is an awful lot of time wasted all in one go so thank value, you value very driven. much for all of you and uh, well you know if you've enjoyed this tell a friend if you haven't don't tell anyone ok we'll be back soon thanks very much bye bye